Welcome everyone to episode 8 of the Beyond Our Sidelines podcast. Uh, today I'll be joined by the, the one and only Ethan Zahn. Uh, Ethan is known by many for winning Survivor Africa, uh, but is also someone who, among a wide variety of endeavors, uh, played professional soccer, uh, is a global humanitarian, cancer survivor and advocate, television host, and co-founder of Grassroots Soccer. Um, today we'll have a, a wonderful conversation about what led to co-founding, to the co-founding of Grassroots Soccer, uh, which you might hear called uh, GRS in the episode, um, as well as the lessons learned along the way. Um, we will also talk about the importance of mental health, uh, overcoming adversity, setting goals, and, and much more. Um, so please enjoy as Ethan and I dive right in. Ethan, thanks so much for for joining me. It's it's a uh, it's an absolute ple- pleasure. Um, it, it's great to see you again, uh, of course. And um, I wanted to start with you know, because I think we could probably cover the entire time with this one question. Um, it, but it, I will dive deeper into to some of these things. So maybe like the elevator speech version uh, of this. But um, for those that might not know, kind of the full breadth of your your background and, and interests. Um, c- could you introduce yourself a little bit? Sure. I first need to thank you for having me here and to let everyone know that you changed the face of our soccer team when you came to play. <laughs> and uh, I don't know how we did in the tournament, but you were a game changer, my friend, so I appreciate that. Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> so for all these that don't know, you're, you're a baller. We're talking to ballers right here. But anyway, yeah, my name's Ethan Zahn, um, and I guess I'm best known for being the winner of the reality show Survivor Africa. And uh, the fun part about that is I used a portion of the winnings to co-found a uh, global nonprofit organization called Grassroots Soccer. And we are an adolescent health organization that uses the power of soccer to educate, inspire, and mobilize young people and communities to overcome their greatest health challenges and live healthier, more productive lives. And, um, you know, since uh, inception, we are in uh, 60 countries now, graduated about 13 million kids from the program, and uh, it's just something that we're incredibly proud of as an organization. As you should be, as you should be. That's a, that's those are those are incredible numbers to to have that kind of reach and that kind of of impact and be able to to touch the lives of so many kids and and members of the community. Um, that's that's absolutely incredible. Um, and and I think you you know I think the story of of winning Survivor, which in and of itself is obviously an incredible uh, accomplishment for anyone who's watched the show. I think uh, you know anyone knows that that is. Uh, uh, not an easy task, uh, and you know that better than than anybody. Um, but I think to then turn around and use kind of that platform from from winning and being visible to the to the public, and then using that platform to then you know create an impact in the community. Um, I, I think that's something that's that's really really special and really something to to be admired. So thank you for for doing that. Just as a member of the the global community, thank you for for doing that. Um, that and uh, you know I think uh, it's important to note that you know the reason I feel that I was inspired to do something like that was because before Survivor I lived and played professional soccer in Zimbabwe mm-hmm. and while I was there I, I saw firsthand what was happening with HIV and AIDS and how it was just destroying this community that is now a part of people are dying everyone knows why but like no one's doing anything about it including me at that time I was 27 years old you know what, you know, what can one person do to help this massive problem in all of Africa? Right. So I didn't do anything at the time, to be honest. And, you know, it was really the first time I saw how 
one disease was destroying a community. I saw the pain and suffering and compassion for all these people touched by this single disease, but I just still didn't do anything about it. And it wasn't until I got home from playing professional soccer and went on to the TV show Survivor, which happened to film in Kenya, Africa, um, where I kind of had an experience on the show where I was playing hacky sack with all these children in the parking lot of a hospital in Kenya. And so before I left, I asked one of the nurses, why are these kids just chilling out in the parking lot of a hospital? She says, well, these are the kids that are HIV positive. So here I was in the middle of this like silly game of Survivor playing, like uh, pretending to be you know, an African to win a million bucks. Just didn't sit well for me. So when I got home, I had 15 minutes of fame which was up 10 years ago <laughs> and I had a little money in my pocket. So that's when I met up with these soccer friends of mine, Kirk Friedrich, Matembe Lobu, uh, Tommy Clark, and we uh, created grassroots soccer. A lot of fortuitous things, a lot of things that, that, that happened in succession that, that, that led to this. Um, and, and the timing of it, um, you know, seems to, it seems like it was kind of meant to, meant to, meant to happen. Um, uh, you being there and then, you know, being a part of those experiences. Um, and so what was, what year now? this is like 2003, you know, this was all happening, you know, kind of at the, not at the peak of the HIV and AIDS pandemic, but you know, we were right in the middle of it, you know, living in the, the, like the epicenter of the global AIDS pandemic in Zimbabwe was, was shocking to me. You know, right. I had an experience anything like that uh living here in the united states right where, where we also aren't where also that people might not be fully aware of of what what's happening around the globe um and and so you know organizations like grassroots soccer who can can raise awareness or, or start to raise awareness and advocate and, and things like that you know it's it's uh you know it's really really important and so you know what what was that process like to to get the organization started you know how did you all the four of you take this idea and then you know turn it into to, to what it is today well i think uh we took a bold but humble approach we were bold enough to try new things but humble enough to know that we need a lot of help along the way right. and so tommy clark who's the founder and the visionary of the organization had a really spectacular idea like let's use soccer to make sure kids don't die of aids like it was a simple concept no one was doing it at the time no one was using sport to deliver health interventions everyone using sport to give kids access to sport or develop them as players to then maybe go on to play you know whatever and, and club or professional college whatever that looks like but no one was taking a global the most popular sport in the world and using all the themes that you find within the sport of soccer and the heroes the sports creates to deliver life-saving health messages to kids so um, I think it was at the start of this like sports for social good or sports for development, however you want to label it. But it was kind of weird at the beginning of that phase of you know development in the world. And so right place, right time. Uh, we all were you know good friends. All played soccer. We all had our own individual roles within the organization. You know, Tommy was the visionary. Matembe was a Zimbabwean over there living there. I had a public platform. Kirk was like the guy in the weeds, like doing all the curriculum and fundraising and all that stuff. So it just worked well as a team. And uh, it really was a team approach. And, uh, you know, they always say it takes a village. So right. we, uh, we created that. Yeah. And, and how, how were those first, how were those first, few months for first year of of getting things things off the ground because I mean I've personally um, you know done grassroots soccer program so I, I know the curriculum uh, myself and obviously I know the the current iteration of the of the curriculum um, what, what was the, the, the those first few months in that first you know year of trying to get things off the ground and and, and implemented 
Well, I think we're a little bit fortunate with uh, the fact that, you know, I just won a large sum of money on a reality show. So to be able to provide the startup funds at an early uh, stage of the organization, I think was a huge help. But, you know, the money doesn't last forever. And obviously, uh, you know, we had to, you know, fulfill our fundraising requirements. So it was... um, it was interesting because we really focused on the outcomes. Mm-hmm. We like, you know, a lot of organizations at the young stage, you know, they do get t-shirts and hats and like, you know, websites and all this stuff. We really didn't care much about that. We really invested all the money that we were fundraising back into the organization and invested hardcore into the kind of monitoring and evaluation component, which basically means like we wanted to be able to prove that the work we were doing is really making a difference. And once that started to happen, and once we really started to see the data proving that, you know, our work with sports and HIV is kind of curbing outcomes, that's when like doors opened up for us. And so I think it was a really smart move early on uh, to, to make that choice. Uh, but it was tough, you know, it was like, you know, any uh, young organization, we were relying heavily on friends and family. Uh, our board of director was a working board, not a giving board, mm-hmm. meaning like everyone we wanted on the board, like we needed a lawyer, we needed a graphic designer, we needed a website person, you know, so right. we recruited those folks who were in our friend group. And, um, you know, obviously over the years, it's kind of changed a little bit more into a giving board than a, than a working board. Um, and just like, yeah, little micro fundraisers all over the country. And, you know, 1,000 bucks, 5,000 bucks, 10,000 was a dream if we could make that happen. Mm-hmm. And then it was just the grind. And uh, really, like I said, Kirk was over in Africa seeing if this stuff worked. And when it did, we told people about it. Right. And we were proud about it. And that helped drive fundraising, drive awareness. And, uh, you know, made us into kind of a, a well-established, respected organization. Right, right. Yeah. And, and do you feel or when do you think, because I think there's, so it's kind of like a, a one question that I think I've been thinking about is, is, you know, grassroots soccer has been very successful by, by all measures. Um, but, but not that that's not always the case for organizations who are, who are, are trying to make an impact in the community uh, here in the U.S., uh, across the world, um, wherever that organization is located. Um, and people, they struggle with funding, with, with finding safe space for, you know, getting the right equipment, uh, getting the right support from the community. Uh, those are just a few things. Um, but was there a moment where you, you all felt, okay, I think we've, we've got it. Like we've, we've, maybe we haven't figured it out, but like, I, I think this is going to work. And we've, we've, you know, what were those things that gave you that, that idea that like, I think this is, this is going to work and I think we're going to be able to, to do, to do this. Uh, a couple different answers to that. One was kids were showing up like we used soccer as the hook right. and then it would show up to want to play soccer and which happened. But then we also kind of like bonked them over the head with a little like life message as well at the end. Right. So when kids started showing up and that was a huge deal for us because like, okay, well, we got something here. The other part was actually in Ethiopia. Mm-hmm. Uh, it wasn't me, it was my buddy Kirk, where we had just done a, a, a pretty big training and he was there for a few weeks, maybe even a month. And then randomly one morning at like 6 a.m., he was taking a jog and he saw a bunch of kids on this random patch of grass doing grassroots soccer activities on their own. 
like no coach, no nothing. Some kid probably went to the program and went over and just wanted to show his friends what, what he learned and what he was doing. And it was that. I'm like, wow, okay, if kids are enjoying this and they're doing they're doing HIV AIDS education on their own just for fun, I mean, you got something there. Um, and wow. then lastly, really, it was interesting because when we got our first official grant. So we got a grant from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation for $79,000, which is ridiculously low. Like in hindsight, we should ask for $79 million. Right. But probably took more money to actually, you know, uh, bureaucratically get the, the you know, the, the proposal on everyone's desk to actually like make the 79 grant. But the fact that Bill and Melinda Gates saw value in what we were doing and funded us for, you know, this, this little amount, that was a huge turning point for us as well. And so, so through through that and, and getting those milestones, I mean, I think to me, like I, I'm sure he felt incredible, you know, on, on his jog and seeing that and seeing kids doing the the program on their own outside of of an organized uh, program, and I, I'm sure that must have felt incredible. Uh, and then, of course, getting the yes from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, that I'm sure that felt incredible. Um, what are some some things that you feel? other organizations who are in that process of trying to get started, trying to, to, to figure out how to best serve their community. Um, you know, what are some lessons learned uh, from grassroots soccer from that, that stage and then, and then, of course, where you are today? Um, what are some lessons learned from, from your success, but also from some of the missteps that might have happened along the way? Well, I feel that we were able to grow through partnerships uh you know we the way we organized our um the work that we do is like we have three flagship sites in Zambia, zambia south africa and then we have partnerships with other organizations in other countries and so there's no way we could financially or you know be able to grow to the, the scale we are at now if, unless we were able to partner with other organizations so then we realized okay well we have a really good model um we have a way to deliver it so now we just need distribution. You know, mm-hmm. look at this like a business and like you're creating a, a product of sorts. And so we are able to find distribution through partnering with other organizations that may have a great organization, but they're like adolescent health or HIV or the mental health components were lacking. Mm-hmm. So we create became like more of a training of trainers organizations. So now we can train other organizations on how to use the grassroots soccer curriculum. That's one thing. The second thing is I said it earlier, just monitoring and evaluation. It's really important at an early stage within the organization that you start to track outcomes, like pre-questionnaires, post-questionnaires, six-month follow-ups, because the only way you're going to be able, like anecdotal stories are great. Oh, this kid loved it. Or this kid went and got tested after he went through grassroots soccer or like, uh, you know, he's wearing a condom, whatever that is. That's great. Mm -hmm. But like, unless you can prove that's actually happening, it means nothing in terms of trying to get funding so you can grow your organization even more. So investing in the monitoring evaluation and making sure that the work that we're doing is making a difference was huge for us. So those would be the two biggest things, I would say, partnerships and monitoring evaluation. And, and I, I'm, I'm, I think that interest, that idea of, of thinking about the outcomes first uh, is really interesting. How, how did you all, why did you guys decide to do it that way versus, you know, maybe a, a different approach of kind of starting from, you know, here's what we want to do um, and then we'll figure out the outcomes later. Um, what made you think to, let's start with the outcomes and then and kind of build it from there? I mean, I think it just came, I mean, Tommy Clark is a medical doctor. I think it just came from like a scientific 
kind of perspective. And we are, you know, we are a um, outcomes driven organization. We we are we follow the statistics. So like if we found that okay, in Africa, a, an adolescent girl is five times more likely to contract HIV than an adolescent boy. Why? Why is that happening? So then we would kind of like. It's, we are a youth-led organization, which means we, we work with the youth to figure out what's going on, and then we work with the GEM to figure out how to fix it. Because if it's going to be effective, it has to be cool. If it's going to be cool, it's got to come from the kids that we're serving. So that's a huge part of it. So we worked with the kids to figure out what would be fun for them, and then we developed that into a program. So we'd, we'd attach ourselves to one of these statistics. Mm-hmm. You know, more women are, are contractees. And so then we develop a game around that statistic. And then we work with the kids to figure out which that game be to make it fun and cool. And then we'd roll that out and test it to make sure it actually worked in a few microsites, a few schools, whatever. And if it worked, then we'd roll it out uh, large scale on a global level, if that makes sense. Right. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And and I, and I think I, I just think that's a, that's an important and the reason why I ask is because I think it's an important thing to think about for for any organization or anyone who is thinking of of implementing programming uh, is to think of what that what that outcome is um, first as you're formulating what you're doing because I, I don't I don't know um, that might not always be the case you might you might have a, an idea or, or a concept and, and you might not be thinking of, of that outcome first um, and, and then building yeah. it towards that. Yeah, and, and, I, and I, I can't really remember. Like, I don't know if we, like, the day we started grassroots soccer, we're like, we got to measure outcomes. I think we needed we, the first year or a half or two, we're like, is this even going to work? Like, we just were testing out different games with different kids and different population sets. And then once we kind of got a, you know, like I said, once we started kids enjoying it, people showing up and people doing it on their own, then we're like, okay, let's, we need to actually, like, is this work? Like, are they just showing up and having fun or are they really making a difference? And are they retaining the information we're giving them? So, so what what are <clears throat> with that in mind? Last question about grassroots soccer. Cause I, I have other things that I, I, I you're involved in that I would love to to chat about. And also get your perspective on on a few things. But um, what is your favorite thing about grassroots soccer? What is your favorite thing about the use of sports as a way to to reach the community? So like I, it's grassroots soccer. I think obviously because soccer was a, a sport that you all were interested in that you all played, but also is kind of a, a sport that's popular around the globe. So it's 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 a lot of kids are already playing it, but you know what are your favorite things about grassroots soccer and, and the use of sports as a way to, to reach reach the community? Yeah, I mean, I think sport is an effective tool that is just it's just a, a, an additional tool. We got art, we got music, we got just regular academics in school, and you know I feel that sports is just another incredible tool that you can use to bring people together it breaks down cultural barriers it brings people together uh it's instant access into a community you know if you're looking to really you know you can put a soccer ball down on any street corner anywhere in the world and you instantly have 25 friends right and i think with certain segments of the population depending on what sport that is you're going to find a group of people that want to show up for that sport and like so the sports for development space which i know you're very familiar with is incredible um there are so many incredible organizations out there that are using sports to deliver important life messages you got surfing you got skateboarding ice skating baseball football soccer tennis you know netball 
anything. Everyone's doing anything. Uh, everyone is using sports in a different way. Not everyone. There are lots of people out there using sports in a different way to affect crime, obesity, health, um, art, music, all that stuff. And I think it's just a really interesting way to uh, to get access to a population that can be helped, really. And that's what's exciting for me. And, that, and in addition to that, it goes a little bit one step further for me where I really like the intersection of a charity, a sport, and like brand and marketing. I love that. Like I love when like Nike comes out with a really incredible campaign, you know, using, you know, uh, soccer to help kids in, you know, a, a, a third world country or something like that's exciting for me. You know, I, I love how when big corporations or small corporations see the value in investing in sports to help people. And uh, it's it's been happening for a while now. I think it's happening more and more and more. And I think that's just uh, that's really exciting for me. I love the marketing and branding and PR side of elevating certain populations in the world through sports. Right, using using and using their their global large platform to to impact in a positive way. Um, yeah, I think they have. I mean, now in this day and age, I think whether they want to or not, I think they have to just based on what's going on in the world where, you know, the, the, the big brands and the sports teams have a huge, huge reach and a huge um, opportunity to help a lot of people because of that platform. Right, right. And, 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 and a lot of people would probably think a, a responsibility to, to, to do that and to, to use that, that platform and the means that they, they have to, yeah. to make that possible. On the flip impact. side, you know, listen, like we, our original model in grassroots soccer was to train professional soccer players. Mm-hmm. And then we sent them into the classrooms. But as we all know, not all professional soccer players are good role models. Mm-hmm. Um, so we quickly learned that we're going to have to, you know, have a, a different model than that. Now we use the professional players more as like prize incentives. Mm-hmm. But we still, you know, use soccer players and, and coaches to do these interventions. Um, but, you know, a duty, yes, but we, I also feel like obviously it's up to the athlete themselves. Like every athlete doesn't have to be a role model or do charity work if they don't want to. Like if that's just not their thing, then we shouldn't be forcing them into those situations. Which right. sometimes I think we do as as fans of the, of the sports. Like when an athlete does something wrong or bad, like you're a role model, you can't do that. But listen, he didn't ask to be a role model. You know, he didn't ask to be put in that position. But he is, and there is some responsibility. But I think sometimes we put a lot of pressure on the professional athletes to be like gods and heroes and the best role models ever it's a lot of pressure no it is true it, it, it's just because someone has the the means and the ability doesn't you know doesn't mean that they're required to 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 do something it's it's uh you know but hopefully we can create opportunities for those that are interested in, and want to to get involved to be able to do so um and things like yeah, and then, like, lastly, like listen that. every single athlete growing up what less than one percent is going to go pro right right so like how can you as an athlete growing up learn that this sport that you're playing is good for so many things other than just like on the lines winning and losing right you can use this sport that you love so much to do so many incredible things in the world so i think that's an important message too to teach to kids like yeah you can be an awesome tennis player or recreational tennis player but just know that like you can use this sport to impact younger kids older kids and a lot of different things did that go did that thinking because that's that's something i talk about a lot is, is does that thinking go into the 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 culture and the model of grassroots soccer at all i know i said i had one more question about grassroots soccer but now it's um did that go into that at all of this idea of like you know sports is is can be a huge part of your life and it's it can impact so many things 
um, outside of just the field? Like it, that, obviously, I think that played a big role in, in how you guys put things together. Yeah, I think it's not our. I think it's um, we don't push that message because we're not we're not getting kids into the program to develop them as players to right. try to go pro. Right. So the mindset of these kids coming in, like this is we're using soccer to learn things, but it's not like we're using soccer to become better players. So, but we do let them know like, Hey, you can do a lot of things with soccer, even if you don't, even if you can't go professional. Yeah. But it's not a core kind of message for us. Right. But, but it, it, it builds into that, that narrative of yeah, like, teamwork, camaraderie, right. fitness, you know, uh, you know, structuring your time, failing, winning, losing, all those things are wrapped into kind of being a sport, a sporty person. Well, so to, to, to shift away from that a little bit, um, and, and without giving any secrets away or, or projects that you might be currently working on um, that, that are yet to be, to, to be released or, or public, um, what, are, what do you think maybe are some opportunities kind of in that sport and development world, um, you know, or that like using a platform like social inclusion or, or, or for health or for, for wellness yeah, space, like w- what are some things that are should be on the horizon that maybe aren't at the moment? I think uh, the intersection of technology now. Technology, sport, charity, uh, and global reach. You know, there are uh, a lot of ways now where the mobile phone can be really impactful on, um, you know, health and education. Uh, you know, grassroots soccer. Uh, you know, we're now just you know trying to get into this space a little bit more, where you know we can have our you know pre and post questionnaires on the phone. We can have our entire curriculum downloaded, so and with videos attached, so people can do it on their own, and it's. You don't necessarily need to go through a training in person anymore. You can kind of do it online. Um, you know, the ways to be able to create structured leagues, um, you know, in, in, in remote areas of the world, uh, not even to mention just the simple technology around, the, you know, clean water and mm-hmm. uh, electricity and solar. And so getting information, getting health information to kind of further areas in the world through technology is something that I'm excited about and I think that's a little bit where the space is going or I hope it is right right and then and then you know because sports is often I think you think of okay well I have to be on a soccer field or I have to be on a basketball court or or something and, and you think like everything has to maybe take place in the in that space but there there's opportunities to to then to utilize technology to increase access to those spaces or increase access to those to those sports and and then the things that are outside of that sport, you know, through playing or through being involved, uh, technology is obviously, that's going to be a, a huge thing, hopefully. Yeah, I think so. Um, well, and, and so you mentioned, you know, virtual getting, getting, you know, GRS and, and the curriculum and other things, um, available on a phone or, or downloadable and, and virtual. And, and so obviously I think, you know, one thing that's kind of happened through this, this ongoing pandemic that, that we've had is, is a shift um, and I think a lot of people were already thinking about it, but I, there has definitely been a noticeable shift to focusing on on mental health and, and well-being. Um, and that's been really great to, to see because I know myself as, a, as an athlete growing up, I've talked to colleagues, you know, many others who <clears throat> the mental health side was like, OK, be be mentally strong, be mentally tough. And with, without what, what does that mean? Um, the, but there wasn't really always a focus 
as an athlete on on mental health and well-being and, and there seems to have been a shift um to to having those conversations and building that as a part of um being an athlete and that's great um so how do you think we can ensure that that mental health and, and well-being is is taken into account in in the non-professional sports world so in an organization like grassroots soccer or or organizations all over the world um, that are working with youth or working with coaches um, who all have mental health uh, and mental well-being needs you know how how can we ensure that that's a part of what we're what we're doing and why is it important well i think why it's important is you know in order to make healthy decisions in life you need a you know healthy mind so if your mind in theory isn't you know functioning at its top you know ability then you might be you know uh, making some unhealthy decisions mm-hmm. bottom line is that so i mean just obviously getting back to grassroots soccer we're talking about forever but i do a lot of work within the cancer community as well mm-hmm. um as well as uh, my nephew's autistic so we do a lot of work in the autism community uh, and then obviously grassroots soccer which is adolescent health but um we are finding now that like if we're going to teach them about you know uh, hiv and aids and making the right choices or drugs and alcohol like they need to be able to have a a mindset and be able to be have a, a clear way to deal with uh the successes and failures of life and their environment in which they may be living or the, the pandemic we just went through in order to even make the decisions uh, at that next phase of the process, right? So, like, if you don't have the good mind, then you can't do what everything else we want to do. So, we're finding we just implemented a new mental health curriculum in Zambia and in Aberdeen, Scotland, of all places, with Aberdeen Football Club. So, we're kind of piloting. It's only around two years old. Can send you information about it. But we're finding that the kids that have the mental health component mm-hmm. are now doing better in the kind of adolescent health component. If you if that makes what it makes sense. Right. So, uh, how do we ensure that that's happening? I think, um, you know, I think now with it's very trendy <laughs> to talk about mental health. Uh, I think there's a lot of um, popular, well-known celebrities and athletes that are out there talking about it now. Which just erasing the stigma associated with mental health is a big part. You saw that happen with HIV and AIDS in the you know. 90s and 2000s once start people started talking about it mm-hmm. these stigmas erased and then you can kind of infect more change once you know people aren't afraid to even come out of the um come out and talk about that stuff so i think we're, we're moving in the right direction um and you you know you see it rolling over like you said into you know you know like goldman sachs has a new mental health program you know mm-hmm. all these major companies that are you know seeing the value and kind of making sure their employees um have a good uh, mental health because they're going to become better workers. You know, right. I mean, the bottom line might be a little bit uh, financially motivated, but like, you know, if you can keep your employees happy and keep them working, you're going to do better in the bottom line. But in the end, it's good for, for everyone. It, right. And, and you know, what's what's interesting and in, in is so as a coaches, so, you, so I mean, I, I, I keep going back to grassroots soccer. I'm sorry, but um but just in general, so just in general, coaches have such an important role for the athletes that they work with. And in one of those roles, uh, whether it's a, a coach who is doing a grassroots soccer curriculum or a coach who's, you know, working with a professional athlete or working in a youth club of any sport, um, you know, they have such an important role as as a 
as a role model, as, as someone who has access to, to, to the kid on a level that, that not many others have, you know, besides parents and, and maybe friends and teachers, you know, a coach is right there as far as time spent with kids. Um, and so, you know, one of the things in my mind that's really important as a coach is to get to know your kids uh, that you're working with on an individual level and what works for them on an individual level. So I, I need to know what works for Ethan as a player versus what works for Ryan as a player. And those might be two very different things. Um, and I've always kind of felt that as, as part of my role as a, as a coach. Um, but I, I think the mental health side of that is that that's a part of that is because, you know, the, 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 the needs of, of each individual athlete or youth might be different in their, in their, their mental well being. Um, you know, what, what gets them into a positive place might be different. Um, and so, I don't know. I was just thinking as you as you were, you know, as you, as we're talking about this this kind of shift to, to erasing the stigma away from it. You know, it's got. To, I I feel it's got to have. There's not a one one way to to erase that that stigma around it. There's got to be a, a bunch of different ways. And yeah. I think organizations like like grassroots soccer, but like professional teams, professional athletes, who are talking about it, um, just like grassroots soccer and many others did with with HIV in the past um, and still do of course um, really helps make the the community more aware that this is a really important thing to be to be thinking about and discussing Um, and so hopefully I'm I'm really excited here I didn't know that grassroots soccer was doing a a, a pilot program and and so I'm really excited to, to see that you all have, have implemented that into into what you're doing, and 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 how do you think other organizations then could maybe also implement mental well-being and mental health into into the work that they're doing? Is it so easy as to just start talking about it, or are there things that maybe people can can actually be be doing to implement it to curriculum? Whew, that's a tough question. I mean, <laughs> I don't know what uh, folks could really. I mean, I mean, obviously, yeah, talking about it is great. Uh, but and your approach is incredible, but it's it's hard to do that at scale. You know, right. we have to get all the coaches in the world to be able to be actually concerned about the mental health of their players. I think you're a rare case there. Well, you know, to work individually with each player. I, I, I don't. I don't have a thousand kids that I'm working with. So right. I, you know, I know, but you like, know. so I'm trying to think like when these companies <laughs> have thousands and thousands of people, like how do you implement a mental health program? Right. Um, and make it successful. You know, I don't have an answer for that, but uh, starting it and trying it, I think, is the first step. And uh, you know, I don't know, I don't know much about this, and I'm just kind of. But there's a lot of like, you know, technology out there that's mm-hmm. helping people get through some of this stuff. If you're, you know, a little bit shy to come out, you know, you got these headspace and calm, and you know, the meditation and, and you know, exercise and nature and visualization and all these kind of alternative fringe type things mm-hmm. are helping people with mental health. I mean, you look what happened over this pandemic. What did everyone do? You know, they turned to the arts, you know, uh, art, you know, TV and movie and actors. Everyone watched Netflix. Okay. Well, right. music, everyone like started listening to music a little bit more art. Everyone started like trying a new skill, learning something new, knitting, whatever. Like we went old school when this pandemic hit, like we went to the things that, make us feel happy and mentally sound through generations in the history of the United States. That's kind of what we gravitated towards. So, mm-hmm. you know, when a kid is kind of, uh, you know, 
messing around in school and it needs to be punished what happens you send him on outward bound or knolls to be in nature and walk around and like get his head set right so we've we've kind of grown away from that as a society so i think in horrible this pandemic kind of brought these kind of alternative ways to become mentally sound out of survival right, um, right. what do we what do we we just did it because it was it came natural to us um so i think it's i don't know i was just shooting the just brainstorming there but that's an interesting thing to think about um in this pandemic which we had limp filming i'm very happy we went through this pandemic now versus like 1918 when there's like barely refrigeration you had to write letters to everyone there's no netflix there's no home delivery there's no food on the you know everything like so like people like oh my god this pandemic just was horrible like imagine if you had to do this like uh, you know that long ago like it would have been horrible at least like you could have a, a, a life and build community and connect with other people going through the same thing at the same time like for me this was like a blessing to be able to go through the covid in a, in a time in the history when we had all these resources to our advantage and and, and there there were definitely were pandemics in 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 the past that uh that were were obviously very 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 difficult and and you know we were able to to yeah maybe recalibrate a little bit in some of the things that we we do I, for me. So my, my escape anytime anything's ever I need to like re is always been to like get on a basketball court and play basketball or, or something. And so, you know, there were some challenges there. But I but then I learned to, to maybe do some other stuff. And, and I, I'm not an artist. I am terrible at it. If you saw anything I painted, you would be very uh, maybe embarrassed for me. Um, but I tried it. I did. I, I, I tried to because to, to, I wanted to challenge myself into something new. Um, but also get my mind into a into a, a, a positive place. And I think, um, you know, yeah, there was some recalibration of, of, of things and, and hopefully we can continue some of and, I, and I, I read a lot about, you know, wanting people wanting to continue the things that uh, have happened over the past year, some of the, th- the new things that they've tried or the way they think about things, carrying that over. And, and I'm, I'm interested to see how that will will carry over to the, the sports space yeah. and, and youth sports and um, you know coaching and, and organizations like grassroots soccer and, and all the amazing other organizations that are trying to work in the communities and how they will continue to focus on on the mental health of the kids that that they're working with and the coaches that they're that are, yeah. are working with the coaches them. too yeah Can't the, forget about them. right yeah. um, and so I mean, that, uh, so I do work with this organization called First Descents. We are an outdoor adventure camp for young adult cancer survivors, mm-hmm. right? So you survive cancer, you want to get your confidence back, you want to get your mojo back. They send you on like whitewater rafting, rock climbing, dog sledding, whatever that is. And you're doing it with obviously other cancer survivors. So mm-hmm. you're meeting people your same age, going through the same thing. You're embarking together as, over this like scary moment where right. like you're going down class three rapids in a kayak, get your confidence back. So that's that's an interesting thing where you're using sports mm-hmm. like outdoor adventure sports cancer mm-hmm. and you know mental health getting your just your confidence back as a, a young adult so like there's incredible things going on out there using with sports you know yeah, it's a natural i mean the, the the it's a natural thing because you know especially for for young athletes or for kids in in, in any scenario when they see progress or you know hey i, I couldn't use my right my left foot I couldn't dribble with my left foot on a soccer field, but now I'm I'm able to to do it a little bit. Like that confidence that comes from seeing that progress um, is really positive. And and so like you know that's not a high level thing. That's that's just a, a little skill that can build confidence. And and so the the soccer field or the court or whatever sport you're playing, 
whether it's outdoor, indoor, whatever, uh, there's so much opportunity to, to see positive progress in the, in the yeah. mental side of things. Um, and so what are things that you did? I mean, I, as, a, as an athlete growing up, but then also, you know, in, in some of the things you've talked about, your, your, your history with, with overcoming cancer and, and uh, being on Survivor, all these different things. What are some of the things that you've personally done to, to try and be in a positive mental space? Well, soccer, I was very superstitious as a goalkeeper. So, mm-hmm. like, I don't think that stuff works. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I was a little obsessive about that. And, uh, you know, um, but in terms of things for me that worked, first and foremost, I had people around me that I trusted, that I could talk to, that I could be truthful about my emotions. Because mm-hmm. kind of when you're going through something serious in life, like, or a health challenge, you know, nothing creates comfort and confidence more than knowing you're not alone when facing that challenge. Mm-hmm. So for me, it was important to create, to, to recruit a team around me to help me get through some dark moments. So that was probably the first and most important thing. And, you know, oftentimes, you know, the thoughts and feelings and emotions that someone going through a challenge is having is the same as those that are caring for them or in their community, you know, but if you never talk about it, you're never going to know. So, mm-hmm. like, nothing is more empowering than the truth. I always say that. So, like, I was very open about, you know, I'm not feeling sad today or I'm happy today or, you know, afraid or scared. And, like, my mom was like, I am too. You know, like, mm-hmm. so then you could talk about it and you could work together to help overcome that moment. Um, but, you know, I used meditation. Mm-hmm. Uh, I used visualization. I used exercise a lot. I focused on some of the, the foods I was putting inside my body because mm-hmm. that was important for me. Um, and, um, you know, those were kind of some of the things that helped me uh, as a cancer, you know, going through cancer as well as um, going through soccer as a professional. But I was a, a like a, I said, like mini micro goals. That's kind of how it was very successful for me. And mm-hmm. I'm not talking like, I want to run a marathon. It's like, right. I want to run a mile. Right. right. I want to run two miles. And so um, that was important for me not to pick endeavors or goals that are too large that are you can't accomplish. I would almost purposely create a goal that I knew I could do just so I could cross it off a list. Because when you look back throughout a day or a week or a month and saying, oh, I did 100 push ups every day for 10 days, you're like, oh my God, that's pretty good. Right. Like, that's, you know, that's pretty awesome. Um, and so you look back and you look at all these little micro goals you achieved and mentally that kind of boosts you and gives you a little bit of a more successful outcome yeah for sure i mean that's that's some like i I can now dribble my left foot well now i want to shoot my left foot or now i want to score a goal with my left foot now i want to you know it's like you 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 build confidence right those micro goals that's really important and and having that team that you trust those people around you that you trust so that you can talk about it because i think that's that's where it can get scary sometimes you know as is is just talking about what you're feeling and talking about what's what's going on and and how you're feeling that day or or how you're feeling at that moment and that that can be be scary and and i i struggle with it yeah sometimes like it it, it was almost easier for me to talk to people outside of my family and friend group you know like i had a therapist Mm -hmm. i also had support groups that are cancer focused so for me it was easier to talk to people that were outside of my network sometimes because they were unbiased Mm -hmm. give me the truthful you know uh, reports or you know just information and there's no hidden agenda there like you know um so if you're struggling to find someone to talk to um look outside of your immediate family and friends right that's yeah i mean that's that's um i think that's that's 
a coach, coach. right? Exactly. Exactly. I mean, and that yeah, to bring that kind of that that back to to full circle. I mean, I think that coach's role. Um, we sometimes think a coach's role is to teach those technical tactical skills, and that's that that might be the case in in some things. But I th- I mean I think for those. 99% of youth athletes or the majority of youth athletes who are, are going through sports who just because they love playing or they want to play or they're, they're, they're trying to get involved, like that coach can play such an important role. Um, and, and one of those things is being that person in that circle who, they, who someone can come to and, and talk to. And um, I think that's such an important role outside of the teaching and the, the technical, tactical part of the sport. Um, yeah. And so I, I'm sure you've had some amazing coaches. I, I hope you've had some amazing coaches growing up. Um, but, uh, you know, you've talked about some of those things, so like some of the adversity. So I, I think one of the things I'd love to hear from you about is, you know, through all of those things, through, um, you know, growing up as a, as a professional soccer player and then, you know, um, being on Survivor, starting, being part of starting a, a really large, important organization, you know, going through the, the challenge of, of of, of cancer and, 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 and the many other things that you've been involved with, um, you know, there's varying levels of adversity that have, that have happened throughout those different things. Um, I would love to hear your thoughts on, you know, how being an athlete as a kid and, and growing up playing sports prepared you for those moments where you needed to maybe overcome some, some of the challenges that, 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 that you face, but that, you know, that we all face, like how can sports, um, prepare you for those moments and how did it prepare you for those those moments of adversity yeah so i think early on in life when i was 14 years old cancer came into my home and it took my father away from me Mm -hmm. and so at that time in my life all i wanted to do was sit in my room not come out and play didn't want to talk to anyone like but it was my friends from school well my family obviously my friend from school my teammates Mm -hmm. they're the ones that reached out and embraced me. They're the ones that reinforced my values in time when I felt completely alone. Mm-hmm. So at an early age, I really found the value in community. I know we talked about it before, but it was I, I, I relied on the community to survive. It's as simple as that. Right. And so, team sports, similar concept. You know, we're all individual players. We got to work together as a team to achieve a common goal like winning. Mm-hmm. So that that you know went to that phase of my life. And then on Survivor, my entire strategy on Survivor was to make myself a crucial member of the community out there. So crucial to everyone else's survival. So without me, they'd struggle even more and they wouldn't vote me off, right? right? So like a little bit manipulative, yes, but like if I create a personal relationship with this person and I'm building the fire and I'm getting the water and I'm helping in challenges and I'm you know, supporting after a win, consoling after a loss, like that was my strategy to win the show Survivor. And that's kind of how I play my life. And it's opened doors for me, you know, being a member of the community, personal relationships um i that's the way i work in life it's not doesn't work for everyone but that's that's the way it's worked for me and it's being kind being likable being compassionate empathetic authentic real that for me has been the i feel like successful way to live my life personally um and so i think you know getting through the darkest moments i relied on the people around me uh to help me through right which is which is which is a great reminder to 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 keep, you know, your 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 circle and 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 your network and your community um, and and you know engage engage and and be a part of your life you know throughout because you know it, it's the other part is like I think um, just the concept of like success and failure you mm-hmm. know like we're all gonna have a lot of success and a lot of failures in life 
some of these failures you can't control, but you can always control how you react to these failures. So like the whole reason I tried out for Survivor was because I got cut from a bunch of soccer teams. I got a job in New York City and I got fired from the job. I was unemployed. I was like, I failed multiple times mm-hmm. in life. Mm-hmm. And I was like pissed off. So I'm like, well, I might as well just send in the tape for Survivor. I got nothing else going on in my life right now. Right. Not on the show, right? But if it wasn't for these epic chain of failures, I would have never even applied for the TV show that, that um, you know, change my life so like i always advise people like don't ever worry about failing worry about all the things you'll miss if you don't even try mm-hmm. you know like if you can reframe the concept of failure don't focus on the outcome of failure just focus on the the, the concept of trying then you can shift your mindset where you're just you know then failing just becomes not trying and it's really not that bad like oh so what did you not try today you know um versus like what did you fail at today so i think there's a lot of learning and as an athlete you got to be able to win Mm-hmm. But you also got to be able to lose and be able to bounce back from that loss to become an incredible player the next day and come out and win again. So this concept of failing is huge in a lot in my life. And if it wasn't for all these failures in my life, I don't think I would have been as successful to be to be answer your question. Well, you must uh, you must have some insight. You must be have some insight into into my computer and my my notes here because um, you know that was actually what what I wanted to ask you next um, because oh. I, I think it's such an important. Um, topic and idea, um, and, and I actually plan on covering this on a, on a full episode. Um, the yeah. idea of, of learning from failure, um, yes. and because it's so Research important. Research a woman by the name of Sarah Blakely. Um, mm-hmm. I, I listened to her. I don't know if you know. She's created the Spanx, which you know guys and girls wear to make themselves like a little thinner. Mm-hmm. It's just really tight spandex is what it is. But she, her, growing up, her dad was really huge on the concept of failure like they would come home from school every day so like so what did you fail at today mm. and so it just kind of erased the negative aspects of failing and just turned it into something positive and they were excited you know they got punished if they didn't fail at something you know <laughs> so they were excited to try things and fail at new things because they know over time that would help them grow right turned into being something that was okay it's okay that i didn't yeah. didn't, didn't succeed in this instance totally okay um well, so that last that last little the last question I have for you is kind of related to that, um, and and it's I'd love to kind of hear your thoughts. You touched on a little bit, but um, you know I'd love to hear kind of your thoughts on the lessons that we can learn in sports, but you know also in life, um, you know from from failure or or not succeeding in the way that maybe we had initially envisioned. Because I know um, myself as a young athlete and and many other young athletes, that was always a struggle of like. Well, I didn't win today, or I didn't succeed in this thing, and how do I deal with that? And and did did I deal with it in a positive way? And I know, you know, n- not always the case. You know, it wasn't always the case of dealing with with failure or not succeeding uh, in a positive way. And so I, I would, you know, love to hear kind of your thoughts on on how sports maybe have taught you um, on how to learn from failure, but also just in life. You know, what you've learned about learning from from failure or from not succeeding. Yeah, I think in sports specifically, a little bit about, and I've mentioned some of this throughout this conversation, but just the idea of like setting a certain um, types of goals, right? So when you're going to play a game, one goal could be like, I want to win today. But if I don't win, how can I create a set of goals where no matter what happens, I'm going to have a successful outcome today. So, okay, I'm not going to win, but I want to be able to complete 10 passes. I want to be able to run for 45 minutes straight. I want to kick a corner kick. I want to take a throw in. I want to 
whatever that looks like for you to create goals that are outside of the, the, the t- traditional goal. I mean, for specific, specifically speaking, this most recent season of Survivor that I compete on, Survivor 40, Winners at War, listen, there's 19, there's 20 players, there's going to be 19 losers, there's going to be one winner. So the odds of me winning were slim to none. Right. So I needed to be able to go out there and make sure that if I'm going to put myself through this torture, that I'm going to have a successful experience. So I had a game set of game goals and a set of life goals when I went out there. My game goals were like, yeah, I want to win a challenge, I want to blindside someone, I want to uh, you know, win the $2 million. Right. But Good goal. I also had some life goals, like I want to see a sunset, I want to catch a fish, mm-hmm. I want to see a sunrise, mm-hmm. you know, like I want to sleep out under the stars, I want to make friends with people that it's going to last beyond the game. Mm-hmm. So I didn't do that well on this past season, which I was incredibly pissed off about because <laughs> I am a competitor and an right. athlete, right. but once those, once my dreams of winning the show went away, then I f- tapped into the other goals and I had a great time out there it, and it was a successful event for me and uh, I had a good time, right? So. If I didn't, if I went in with my only outcome was I need to win this, I would have been incredibly disappointed and you know crushed. Uh, but the fact that I went in there with a bunch of different ways to be successful helped me a lot. So I think that's a good rule of mm-hmm. thumb for life, just in general. Right, not on the sock, on the playing fields or court, and just yeah, as we go through our, our daily daily lives. Um, right. Yeah, I didn't win, but I did this, and so I that was successful. I that was. That was great. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's really important and, and a really good, but also hard to, to sometimes do as a, as a young athlete, as, as a, Definitely. you know, a competitive being or a competitive athlete of, of, okay, we lost one zero today on the field. That's my, that's what I'm focused on. I'm not focused on those smaller goals that happened throughout the, cause I was so focused on the winning part of it. And so I can't put anything else past that. Um, and, and I struggle with that as a young athlete at times and, and, um, you know, it's it, it's a it's a challenge, but it's one that we need to we need to continue to, to work on. And I think so. So how can a coach help young athletes do that? No matter what sport I it is, say, uh, put these athletes in new and unknown set of circumstances where they're forced to grow as they respond to these new challenges, whatever that looks like. You can only use your left foot today. Let's everyone's blindfolded today. Right. OK, you can't talk. You got to wear earplugs. Right. Like create moments where these kids probably aren't going to be successful but they're going to be able to learn something from that moment whatever that looks like as a coach so like i purposely put myself in these new and unknown circumstances because i do want to force myself to grow and i always like trust me i haven't always been this way Mm -hmm. i was really shy introvert growing up uh you know it wasn't part of my core competency to put myself out there but as I grew older and I'm looking back on life that I wish I had done that more to be honest I was so fearful of embarrassing myself Mm -hmm. and trying something new and failing on a public stage you know like I would be paralyzed and I would just do the things I was comfortable with all the time right and that just didn't get me anywhere um so once I started kind of pushing myself a little bit more challenge myself putting myself in crazy weird situations uh i think things turned for me a little bit in a good way right yeah that's a good i mean that's a really good reminder i think for, for myself as a coach to put kids in situations where they can accomplish really positive things and see the little incremental things that happen um or the goals throughout practice or throughout a game or whatever it is and see those as success versus that 
overall outcome um, uh, being the ultimate goal. One of my favorite things to do with kids is to make, I do do a speed walking competition Mm -hmm. because no one ever speed walks, right? It looks so stupid. Right. It's silly. Like I make them tuck their shirts into their pants and go (laughs) the shirts up high like a 1970s speed walker Mm -hmm. and they got to do the speed walk (laughs) go around the circle twice and it's a race. Like they look ridiculous but then they're laughing at each other and they're like, now they're like, you know, it's not, you know, your your calves start burning and your quads and, you know, so like it's a stupid drill but like, hey, when are they ever going to like compete in speed walking and you look like a fool doing it? Sorry to all the speed walkers out there but um, I don't know, just little things like that and then at the end they're laughing and they're getting around like, oh my God, okay, that was fun, that was good. Now I know like, I know my fitness level and whatever. Stupid little things like that. Right, right. Yeah, do and, and change it up. Yeah, I know that's a, you know, do things that are that are new and interesting and, and unique. That's funny. I'm, I might I might steal that one from you if that's okay. Totally. Um, well, to to end, I, I uh, anything any kind of last things. I think there's so many other topics I would love to talk to you about and that we could we could dive into. Um, but uh, you know anything related to kind of this idea of like sports as a really powerful way to bring the community together um you know and how it can teach us so many so many different lessons um in life because i think you know that's something that we've kind of touched on through each individual questions and that is that sports kind of play such a really powerful role and so any any kind of last minute things of of how you feel that sports can play a a really impactful and, and positive role in in all of our communities in the global community not just not just here in the u.s but all over the world yeah i mean i think with sports you know there are so many different ways to be involved with sports whether you're a player you're a coach you're a referee you're a field manager statistics guy whatever that is there are so many ways to be involved with sports and so whoever you are, if you're not an athlete or if you are an athlete, I think there's ways to be, get involved with sports and, you know, you can use your skill set to, you know, work with a sporting charity or whatever that looks like. So I think, I think that's one beautiful thing about sports anywhere in the world. Um, so, you know, I encourage everyone to get involved with sports, uh, you know, in whatever level you're able to do. Uh, and I think just it, sports brings communities together. I mean, just at a, at a high level, professional sports teams, you got your fans, you're creating community around that, you got stadiums, concessions, everything that works in and around sports. So like you see how it can impact a community. Like at grassroots soccer, we plop down a soccer field. And once we plop down a soccer field, we put up some lights and a little community center, it changes the the the, the, the landscape of that area physically and, and literally and, and you know spiritually. And all of a sudden this becomes a safe place where it was once despair, now it's safe because we put a field there where kids can go play and parents can send them there and not be worried about it. We can have activities and leagues and programs. So it just show the power of sport right there. And then the last bit is just a philosophy in life that I live by is to like never let a crisis go to waste because it's an opportunity to do some really important things. Mm-hmm. My dad died, right? So I leaned on the community. Um, I saw my friends dying of AIDS in Africa, so we started grassroots soccer. I got cancer, I made my back public so I could help other people to get diagnosed earlier. Like, so if there's a crisis moment in your life, I suggest you to take that moment and do something good with it because focusing on the plight of other human beings helps you heal as a human being. Mm-hmm. So if you're caught up in your own nightmare, focus on other people make you feel a little bit better about yourself. It'll heal you a little bit better. And in return, you're also helping other people around you. Right. Yeah. And, 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 and 
sports has the ability to to help people do that and to and to give a, a, a platform to, to to do those things and and then like you said it's not just those that are playing it's it's or it's not just the the, the kids or whoever's involved in the the organization there's there's that larger impact in in the community um of everyone who can be involved um and so yeah that's a that's a great reminder that that sports are not just about the actual sport there's so many other things that are that are part of it um and so yeah i mean that's that's all i have for you for 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 now i wish i I wish we could continue but um you know thanks so much for for joining me and for for engaging in, in in these these kinds of conversations and i think you know we need to part of the reason why I wanted to do a podcast like this is um, in general is just because I think there needs to be a variety of conversations. There needs to be a variety of voices um, to continue to engage in in positive conversation about the role that sports can play in in our communities. And so I I, I, I appreciate your perspective from your your varied perspective on on the role that sports can play, not just on the field, but also, you know, in in life. Um, So I'm I'm appreciative of of your time and for for taking taking the the time to join me um, for for a wonderful conversation. Awesome. Well, thanks for having me and uh, really great, really great conversation. And I hope uh, everyone listening is inspired in some way to, uh, you know, go out there and help the community around them. Awesome. Ethan, thank you so much. All right. Thank you.